You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. and welcome back to Modern Musicology. My name is Alan, and I've got a couple of amazing co-hosts with me, Stephanie Seymour. Hello, people. And Rob Levy. Hey, hello. And we have a very special guest that's joining us today. So, Rob, do the honors, please. So we are super thrilled and excited to welcome Mr. Tommy Stinson uh, to our show. Uh, Tommy has been a fixture in American music for, I can't believe this, four decades. Uh, a member of The Replacements, a second-generation member of uh, Guns N' Roses, also a member of Soul Asylum. Uh, but he also has his own gigs going on, uh, the aptly named Bash and Pop and Perfect. And he also uh, has done some stuff with the old 97s, Moth, BT. He played bass on a rock remix for Puff Daddy's It's All About the Benjamins. But we're here to talk about your latest venture, uh, Cowboys in the Campfire, which is your duo with Chip Roberts, and its debut album, Wronger, uh, which is the most American album that you have uh, ever made. So welcome to the show, and thank you for, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, nice to meet you, Tommy. Yeah, we're stoked. Pleasure. Can you talk about uh, Wronger and how the album came about and, and the process of making it? Yeah. Well, you know, it came from... Me and my partner, uh, Chip Roberts, we were, you know, we started writing these songs in my downtime from Guns N' Roses and things like that. And um, we we became friends instantly when we met, you know, 15 years ago and um, kind of got right into it. And the last solo record I did called One Man Mutiny, I finished in his basement um, and he played on a bit. Um and we just, you know, in between all these things, we started writing songs together. And in between Guns and Soul Asylum tours, I would, him and I would just go out and do shows on our own under my, under Tommy Stinson solo stuff or whatever. And he came up with the name Cowboys and the Campfire along the way and cut to around 2015 or 16 or something, somewhere in there. We um, were going through the South and ran into John Doe who just moved to Austin and we were going to hook up with him anyway, just to say, Hey, and hang out. And it turns out my friend, Christine Smith had a studio she was working in and living at from some producer guy who lives in LA and it kind of the perfect storm happened where, um, you know, we were going to do some recording with her because we we're going to be there for a couple of days anyway. And John Doe just moved there and we invited him and he showed up with the ant peg upright bass, which he had never played with anyone before. Apparently. Wow. And we cut five songs right out of the gate that became sort of the the bedrock of the record. And, you know, just, just took it from there. I mean, it was a slow burn because of, you know, all the different tours that I was in and doing and and Chip, Chip's life. He was living in Philly before he moved up here to Hudson and just a lot of different things in the way just kind of kept us from finishing it up sooner. Do you like? Do you bring a song to Chip, and then he brings a song to you, or do you both? Do you sit in a room and write together? How does that work? It comes both ways, actually. He'll come to me with a guitar melody, or an idea, or a title in some cases, mm -hmm. and and him and I'll just sort of hack it out and just start playing. And you know what comes of it comes of it, one way or the other. And um, you know sometimes we finish them and sometimes we don't and as i say that the reason why my computer's probably so slowed up is i was listening to some stuff we never finished recently that might be the reason why it's jammed up <laughs> um, 
stuff that we still have yet to finish, but, um, you know, the next record. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of the songwriting, I'm curious to know, do you, are you the kind of writer that starts with a musical idea or are you a lyricist first? Like what's, what's the, the generation of a new idea for you? I don't even have a way. Um, honestly, it could come from a melody chip and I can start hacking and I'll start scatting over a melody or a chord progression, whatever. And it'll mm -hmm. go from there or, nice. or I'll have a idea of a, a title, a, a a phrase or something it, it's really kind of the thing that 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 i like about what i do and still get a kick out of is i don't have a way to doing it I, every yeah. time i write a song it's like wow i did that i mean it's really it is kind of sort of <laughs> sort of like a kid in the candy store every time and i and i you know people are going to say i'm full of it but I, the reality is it's really is like that for me I'll start messing around with something on my iPhone, you know, voice memo stuff and go back to it and go, hey, I no one else, by the way, will hear what I'm hearing in this crappy middle of the night voice memo at 4 a.m. when I couldn't sleep. But I can hear what it is there that sparks my brain. And um, it's just always kind of fun to kind of, you know, when you, when I finish it up or how it comes to being our final recording, you know. Yeah. And the album took a couple of years to make. Was that frustrating or was it a thing that you got like a lot more creative energy and just kind of always had it go in different directions? You know, we, you know, we, we, we finished it when it was ready and um, there wasn't a day sooner that it could have been done be, being recorded. I mean, between ship's life and my life and um, our process, it just took longer and it wasn't, it was, you know, life circumstances. It was very unsimilar to past experiences that I'm sure you would make comment about if I let you. Um, <laughs> I won't go down that road. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just, just the way it worked out. I, I just want to say this. I've listened to this album literally yeah. like 50 or 60 times already. And I just, I love it so much. Also, I'm a real sucker for like a two or three minute song. A yeah. really catchy, and you, you've got plenty of them on this record. So great, but there, you. I read that you said this is like an experimental record in a lot of ways. So I just want to know what you mean by that. Is that like because of the kind of folky countryish feel, or like what? What is experimental in your mind? I, I think that there were there were some textures that I that I hadn't flirted around with before in it. Um, whether it was orchestration. Um, which I, this is the first record I've had, a, you know, um, any kind of strings on, which was... By the way, my really good friend, Claudia Chopek, played strings on your album. <laughs> I, Claudia, we love Claudia lots. She's the bomb. Um, she is the bomb, absolutely. And her crew, her yeah. crew, a whole nother level up here. I mean, oh, they I are way above my pay grade. They The way they even communicate about doing stuff is just incredible. I, I didn't understand a word they were saying. And then suddenly they have this part. And it's like, wow. And I had him, I had him do some stuff on another record I was working on another record I was producing recently. Um, and they did the same thing. It was just a magical, but um, I think it really comes from just different textures that um, I hadn't um, messed with before. And sometimes it becomes, it's a little uncomfortable to, to mess with something. You kind of go, God, is that really lame or is it that it's so lame that I actually like it or what you know and Chip and I'll toss that back and forth and sometimes it comes up that it's you know it's so lame that I do like it and I think that's okay you know um, it reminds me of this which you know makes my butt pucker but that's cool you know it, works out. <laughs> it should make you it should do a thing it should give you some kind of a feeling one way or the other not that that's the feeling you want to have but um, you know, we kind of experimented with different things in a way that I hadn't before. You know, it's different to try and make a record like a more of acoustic based record than is a rock record. You know, rock record, you put on a guitar, plug in an amp, go that route. Um, and I've, I've always we've always had acoustic stuff in the replacements days and on. I've always had the singer songwriter stuff's always been in my musical catalog from those early days as well. But, you know, to make a whole record like that, you kind of have to let the songs kind of tell you what they want in a way, but also uh, approach them a little different, you know? So that's the short story long. 
like Steph, I too have been completely um, adored with the new record. And, you know, I, I listened to the Bash and Pop record the other day, which I love as well. And I can tell that you're maturing as an artist in terms of just there's this creative energy that you can feel that's happening with you. So I'm just sort of wondering how you think you've grown um, as an artist. Well, I, I'm, I, I think the kicker for me is that I've, I've gotten comfortable in my own skin about it all. I don't, um, you know, I'm old enough that I don't give a crap about really how many records I sell, how many videos are watched, any of that stuff that, you know, you kind of get bogged down with when you're, you're trying to do a thing a particular way. And it's not like the replacements or any of my bands have ever really been like that, but you know, um, you approach things differently when you get older and you've been doing it a while. And I'm lucky enough, I still get to do this. And, uh, and I think that's just more of a, um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about making my butt poker with a weird melody or something like that. You know, I'm not afraid of different things that I would have been probably, you know, 10, 20 years ago, even because I, um, it's kind of all for me. I don't, I don't, I kind of make, the where I'm at in this world right now, musically, I'm making records for me because let's face it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole nother game out there than I've ever known with social media kind of being the dictator of who's popular now and all that stuff. So I'm kind of forced in a position of like making music for myself in a way. And, and with chip and all that, we just do it for our own and when people buy it, that's a big bonus. If not, we like it, we move on from it and call it good, you know? Um, you literally just spoke the history of me right now in t terms of like making music too. Cause I, you said, do I know you before? And maybe you don't know me from my old band, the Aquanettas, but I was this in the same situation in a way, like, you know, just work, you know, you'd work, you're working for the record company or you're doing this and that. And then the Aquanettas. Did I ever, did we ever play shows or something like that? I don't think we played shows together. No, but. even sounds familiar to me. I'm just, it's just rolling around. Cause it was all, it was way back then. Yeah. <laughs> I think you and I are at the exact same age, but gotcha. I'm just saying that I, I understand what you're saying. It's like you now we're at a different phase in life and you, you can just do what you want to do and you can be pleased with whatever you do. And you just, you're just doing it for yourself. And if other people enjoy it, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. you made something that people really do enjoy. Like, I just want to talk about the song Souls on your record because I am like obsessed with it. It's I the first time I heard it, I actually started crying because it's so beautiful. And the lyrics like meant so much to me. Some souls are looking to be freed from the flesh and the bone and disease. Make a wish. Take all your pain away Some souls are looking to be seen The mind's just living in between Take a chance and walk away When no one, no one really gives a damn I just want to know how you came up with that song and the genesis of that song. Wow. Um, there's a lot to that. And, and again, I don't even remember where it even started from again, you know, Chip and I started messing around with some different, you know, sort of musical textures and that, and it, um, I was kind of, you know, if I really wanted to be honest with you about it, it was, we were looking for more, sort of more minor key songs chip i, I like to ch i gotta challenge him too sometimes because he's used to playing in a certain way he, he kind of grew up in the philadelphia music scene in the 80s like you know the replacements era and all that stuff but he was a guitar slinger he played a lot of with a lot of groups that would come to town and need a guitar player to come and fill in and stuff and he knew so much stuff musically and a lot of country stuff he was able to kind of do that and um so 
And a lot of it's major key. Yeah. What he used to do. So sometimes it's like, let's see what he does with a minor key. And, and so that was, that came from a lot of the stuff that's in minor key in this record that we we're just trying to switch it up a little bit, you know, try and like, you know, we got a major key acoustic song here. Let's try some minor key acoustic stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, that kind of came from it. And it was when I started writing it, it just instantly came out as these parts that were very dramatic. Like the verses yes. went really quiet and kind of sort of almost jet, like a, you know, uh, holiday in bar combo kind of vibe. And the chorus, like nuts, kind of in your face, like, Blah, you know, mental breakdown part. Um, I kind of want to capture that the best I could. And funny enough, we we managed to do that pretty all right, I think, for the song anyway. And um, that's really kind of my story on that. Yeah, it's true. Like, there's so many melodic twists and turns in that and really unexpected kind of chord changes that I just, I don't know, it really stood out to me. And it's just, it's beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah, it yeah. kind of, you know, again, it kind of wrote itself in that way. It started off with an idea and, a lot of times with something like that one, that one, and even Hey Man, they start off with, you know, we start getting to a point where it's turning into a thing and Chip will roll his eyes, you know, and, and you know, either <laughs> distaste or disbelief or whatever. I don't know I'm on to something. Um, <laughs> and so then, it, then it turns into, I got to kind of prove it to him. No, check it out. It's going to be good. Check it out. Yeah. And we work it, work it out that way. And, um, you know, it kind of works out. And it's a lot of them worked out sometimes some of the ones that didn't make the record they haven't worked out yet that's why they're taking up hard drive space on my computer <laughs> so i know you talked about social media before but as a musician what do you think of like sort of the instantaneousness of everything now like you can literally make a record get it mixed how you like it and put it out 15 minutes later to the world i mean that's got to be kind of frightening but also am amazingly cool at the same time um you, you know, the part that's bad about that, I think, and I think that you, you're right in saying that, and I think a lot of people do that. I think what people are missing in, in, the, in, in that whole scenario is human feedback. <laughs> like, I still, like, we were working on some stuff the other day that we're going to probably play live, and kind of, we got pieces of songs that we're going to just start kind of hacking out as we play through our set and kind of a tidbit here and a tidbit there and kind of work them through. And the, what the reaction is that you get from the audience about certain things like that kind of helps guide that song to its fruition. And so I'll do that with a few things. And I've got a couple of them on my sleeve right now that we're going to be messing around with when we go out. But um, I think the social media aspect of doing what you're saying with new, new music, I think, you're going to miss the human contact that helps you kind of um, helps the songwriting po uh, prospect a bit. I think I cer and certainly I think, I don't, I don't think I've ever really made a record that some of the songs hadn't been played live a bit before making them. And that's just the way I grew up. That's, you know, we'd start, we'd start, you know, start writing songs in rehearsal. Then we go on tour for a bit and play the songs live for a bit. And then we come back and make the record. Yeah. Like the hash them out, hash yeah, them out. Yeah. I think when you just kind of living off the internet, you're just kind of, it becomes very insular. And I, you know, yeah. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's a good way to do it. I, I, I don't recommend yeah. it. If you really care about wanting to, you know, write songs and, um, and evolve as a, as a, musician and a writer and things like that i think you kind of need that human contact so the, the idea that you could just put it out instantaneously like that could be it could be good for some who get that contact but i think you just gotta be wary of it yeah. I, I think it's really interesting that you're saying this because in the at least in the the top 40 sort of pop world that we live in right now there is an awful lot of that where artists can create an, an entire album in their bedroom, you know, and you might not Doesn't even make it right. Exactly. And the, what I'm saying is, you know, it, there, there seems to be like a, a, a coldness almost, you know, to a lot of the pop music is out there because it doesn't have that human feel to it. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the whole, that's another, that's a whole nother subject. That's the whole digital realm. I think exactly. well. that comes into that. Um, you know, again, 
It's a funny time, I think, musically for that, for, for all those reasons that we're talking about right now um, with yeah. the socials and all that. I think that it's, it's cutting out a human element that I think is important. Um, you can become a social media star all you mm-hmm. want until the next person comes up and it's just prompt you basically and right. now you're just oh we're all my we're all my likes now well, right. that person right. like them now you know it's kind of you know it, it i think it may end up shortening the shelf life of a lot of people who might not even come close to knowing what their potential is because it'll just nip them it'll just cut the feet off too early you know that kind of thing it could be right. a detriment i think but that's just me projecting i mean for me like i said it's like i'm writing for me and i think uh, a lot of people you know out there new people that are writing and stuff like that maybe they're just maybe they've got another idea that i just don't know about but it seems to me that some of the stuff i've heard is in need of something that the digital world is not providing in that regard so was wronger mostly recorded together in one studio were you all together in a room because it feels like that's the case yeah it, it was um so we did the first five songs down in austin texas as i told you with um yeah. with john doe that was the bedrock of the record and we did that live with him in the studio um and you know <laughs> very few takes as you can tell but um but, you know, that's that's kind of the point. It's like um, I was explaining this to someone else the other day. It's like I can't I can't imagine, you know, at this juncture in my life or this time in music in general that like you th- think about like this Rolling Stones, you know, like Jumpin' Jack Flash or yeah. uh, Satisfaction. Like the one that is the hit that we all know was 155 take, you know, your 55th take. And you kind of go like, man. I can't think of doing it in the studio more than 10 times before I'm on to something else, but I can't do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Good attention span. I don't know. But the, the difference really for that scenario is that they were a band and they just, you know, they all were probably getting their parts together for a lot of takes, but, you know, building up to that. Whereas as a solo artist at this point, I'm kind of thinking of the bass, the guitar, the drums, all these things. And I, I'd like the input. So we did all these tracks, you know, when we, with instrumentation, um, live for the most part. The, the string sections obviously were overdubbed. Um, uh, I overdubbed two, I think, two of the bass tracks, you know, after the fact. And the drums were recorded live. And the five original tracks, um, which include uh, Fall Apart Together, Karma's Bitch, We Ain't, um, Hey Man, and Mr. Wrong, Gary Say Down. Those were all done live with John Doe. Was mm-hmm. so at the end of We Ain't that you all chatting away like with John at the end. I love that little. I do too. That's one of my favorite parts of the album. <laughs> it's so cute. People, people, you know, people forget the fun stuff that actually happens. We like exactly to with you once in a while. Yeah, I love it. Um, you just so you put Dream out as a uh, as a video, and I guess that's yeah. a sort of the single, which is oh, it's such a beautiful song. So good. I had a dream No like you filmed part of that in New York City and then the rest was that up in Hudson by you? All of that was filmed in New York City. Actually. All of it. Oh, even the train track it looks like you're on train. Oh, you know what? Yeah, my bad. I forgot about that part. The train tracks were up here in Hudson, yeah. Okay. Uh, in the river view with the couple. Yeah. Our neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great tune. I love that one. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Was there uh, this batch of songs that we have on Wronger, which is 10 tracks, and you, you mentioned other ones that, uh, have, th- that are there that just haven't been like perfected for the album yet. I'm just wondering, of these 10 songs, was there one that almost didn't make it? Was there one that was harder to get together? And which ones like just fell together as quickly as anything? 
there were two of them that were that took a second to really kind of wrap our heads around. One was Hey Man, and the other one would have been Schemes, probably. The probably those were probably the two that, you know, the like, is that is that melody too goofy? Does that make, make my skin crawl? I mean that they and you know and Hey Man, it just it almost seemed like it was. I didn't want to get. I didn't want to get too far into social commentary, although it is about roughly loosely about, you know, um, uh, you know, how we, how we treat our, you know, our kids that basically get into the service and go off to war. Um, I didn't want to get too crazy with that, but I also felt like I really needed to say it cause it was bugging me and it's something I wanted to, I wanted to do, but I don't want to try it. I didn't want to, get pre-cheat and you know do all that i just wanted to be kind of reflective of my thoughts on it and um you know they they were both they both took a minute and just really had to way to think about it. and the, the great magical part of it um was that when we put the strings on it and mixed it chip when i sat down listened to the record when that song came up we both looked at each other and went like oh wow we did that. Yeah. And it was kind of, it was really my, one of my favorite moments of making this record was the moment him and I sat down and listened to the record, but really that moment there when we were like, that's you, that's me. We did this thing, you know, and it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's a nice accomplishment. If no one ever listens to that song, we'll still be cool. It'll still that moment. We already have. Stay. So you're extra cool. <laughs> yeah. So how, how has it been to transfer these songs from the studio to playing them live? How has that gone? Well, it's going better now that we added Chops Lacanti on bass. He played on he so John Doe played on five, four or five of the first songs. I think I might have fixed one of the bass parts and played it differently, but um, the other stand-up bass parts on Dream and stuff like that was Chops Lacanti. And um, now that we put him in the mix. Um, some of them actually have, 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 are standing up better live than they would have without low end and his background vocals. So it's, you know, it's a learning curve and it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's fun. So you just came off the road for, uh, you know, he had a bunch of dates by the time this airs on July 10th, you're going to have done about maybe 10 more dates. It looks like from your website, do, is your goal to sort of stay on the road for a while with this? Or do you like, what's your, what do you see? in terms of touring, by the way, my friend Tina books you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There we go. Small world we got. So, you know, um, I'm looking to support the record as much as I can, as long as it, it's building and, and whatnot. And I think it's, we're, we're in a funny spot right now where much to my surprise, we're still getting radio ads for dream. And now, having done this as many years as I, as I have, it's surprising to me and to others um, in my team that um, we're still getting ads. Um, instead of it peaking, like, you know, people put out three songs, you know, and before the record comes out and that kind of sets the record up or whatever. For this record, we didn't do that. We, yeah. we put out one song and, and because it's still, it's still gaining momentum in effect, we're like, well, let's wait before we make it put the next video and song out. Um, and so, you know, as long as we're building on something that seems like it's, you know, we're, we're having fun with it and all that, we'll keep touring behind it. But I think um, also, as I said, we're going to start playing some new bits and monkey and Ross mother songs. My, my guess is we'll probably start recording again, you know, throughout the year here and have something new to, you know, to um, piggyback on this, you know, within the, end of the year or new year easily so but still making an at some point making another video or two for this for this yeah uh, we've got we've got one we've got one that is going to come out probably tomorrow that's more of a fun thing it's not like a single but it's okay. just fun it's a song called that's it a friend of ours did a fun um a fun uh cartoon in a way that goes with it really fun and it's just it's just funny we're gonna, we're gonna put that on the socials i think um the other the other video um i'll i'll keep a surprise but um, <laughs> i hope it souls but okay <laughs> single and and a video to go along with it and that'll come out probably you know when things start to die down with dream we'll put that out and just kind of do a thing but 
we're going to keep touring um, definitely through the end of the year, probably in the next year. And like I said, throughout that, we're going to stop the studio and probably record some new stuff as we start putting it together and piggybacking on the record that way. Yeah. I will definitely be looking for this new video for That's It because that's my favorite song. <laughs> wow. I really like the up-tempo stuff. Yeah. And, and that one's just got a really great feel to it. And it's one of the most fun songs on the record. So yeah. I can't wait to see this new video. <laughs> fucking ukulele rockabilly right <laughs> right on right on <laughs> yeah there you go so i was curious to what your influences are now that maybe you didn't have in the past musically wow uh, that's a good one there's some stuff that i've been taking notes on that i've been hearing on my alexis mornings my alexa mornings um you know, when I'm doing dishes, <laughs> you know, anything, you know, they're like stuff like, like Sean Rowe has really been on my playlist a bit. Um, I like his stuff a lot. Uh, um, Corn Bailey Ray, another one that I, I've been into her since oh, her first record. And the new one's great. She yeah, I, I, have, I have a note in my phone right now to pick up that record. I wrote it down the other day when I heard one of her songs. The Roots have a really, a, a really great song out there that I want to, that's intrigued me. I got to go check out. But there's, there's stuff happening right now that's, um, you know, that's getting me going. And I'm in listening mode right now. So that's, that probably motivates you, too, as a writer and a musician, too. You just sort of feed off what the stuff that everybody else is doing, and it gives you a really cool energy. You yeah. take, before you go on the road, you've got that energy, which is pretty cool. It's, it's, that's the only part of what I do that is somewhat cyclical and somewhat, um, uh, you know, a, a mode of operandi, if you will. Um, it, it's that I go through the period of writing, making record, and not really listening to a whole lot of outside stuff to records done opening open soul to new music and new music floods in and then i start getting inspired so we were done with this record essentially last spring not this past but the spring before and it would have come out last fall on fat possum had i not decided that wasn't the right deal to go down and so it came out in the spring so i've already gotten to the process now where i'm I've been listening to stuff and I'm sort of been inspired for a while to now start getting the creative mode. So that's the only part of my process that really makes that you can even yeah. say I have a process, I suppose. Nice. <laughs> so I have two quick questions. Um, the first is, you know, being a part of that Minneapolis scene yeah. must have been amazing. Like, cause you have you and Husker do and just a tons of other really great. Band. I'm just kind of wondering about what that energy was like coming out of a scene like that. And also is, is that something that you think has carried you into now as a musician, you know, sort of like, oh, absolutely. Grew up in the absolutely. Scene. absolutely. Yeah. And I'll tell you why the, um, the Minneapolis music scene back when I was, when we were coming up was really diverse and really competitive as well. So who's could you us, you know, um, uh, the suburbs. I mean, oh there were a bunch of bands. We all would end up at the same house parties together, you know, yeah. and we'd all end up at the same gigs and kind of hanging out with each other, supporting each other, but also competing a little bit against each other. And we also all had Prince as our background. Um, and that whole, that whole crew, the time and all that stuff on the periphery, because they were way more popular and all that than we were. But it was very, very vibrant. And I don't, in all of my years, I, I have, I have yet to see anything quite like it. I mean, Boston was kind of like that in a way with the Neats yeah. and um, the Del Fuegos and all that. They had that going on. Um, LA kind of had it going on with X and that whole crew, but not quite like Minneapolis in a way. Yeah. I think, um, 
you know, there was something real special about it. And it, and I think it did provide the diversity because we had Prince, we had, you know, sort of singer songwriter, Bob Dylan influences going on. We had punk rock, we had, you know, a little bit of everything going on and also hanging out together was a thing, you know, yeah. with all these different, you know, musical backgrounds all kind of hung out together and it's kind of made it special. I mean, it's a really cool Midwestern thing. And as someone yeah. that grew up in the Midwest, it was great to have that music that spoke sort of to me growing yeah. up, right? But also it's really unique because it's not like Chicago or it's not like, you know, Iowa. So it's a really great moment in time that I know people have written about it, but I just still think it's painfully underrated. I concur. And I, having grown up in it, I can just, I can, I could to talk for hours about it, how, you know, it was so special and cool. And, um, and you know, that it really had a lot to do with our diversity and it had to do with the diversity of all the bands that continued on and got success out of that. Even who's could do, I mean, yeah. um, you know, yeah. as hardcore as everyone thought they were, I mean, you, you can watch the trajectory of Bob mold from then to now and, and see the same thing that you can see, in me or Paul Westerberg or, you know, others from that, that, that era, you know, there's a common thread that's all Minneapolis about it. And I was going to ask you about Paisley Park. Did you guys ever play there or have you, did you go to see other bands there and stuff? Cause I, we, we recorded stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we never played, we, we, you know, we rehearsed in the big room for tours and stuff like that that's cool. the later days, but, uh, we did some overdubs and stuff there for sure and recorded a few things that I'm not sure actually made it on record. It's been a long time since I thought about yeah. that, but um, yeah. And we never, I never saw Prince there. Uh, I, That's know, what everybody says. Yeah. <laughs> we went right upstairs apparently, but you know, chances are pretty good. He was never there when we were there. You know. I think Paul, I think Paul said one time though that um, I think he was working on one of his solo records and Prince kind of just showed up and just came to the studio and was kind of hanging out or something. It might've been a solo record or it might've been one of our later records when he was in the studio doing like an overdub or some stuff, but that Prince had actually walked in and was hanging out for a minute and just didn't talk a whole lot, but was just kind of hanging out. You were just mentioning the Minneapolis scene. I, it reminded me of the uh, the book that was written a few years ago, Trouble Boys, A True Story of the Replacements. And I guess you and Paul were interviewed extensively for that. We um, all were. And you all family, were. And our families as well. Which, okay. Um, no, he did a great job with that. I haven't read it because I lived it. I don't feel like Exactly. And, you know, I know he did a good job on it and that everyone loves it. My question is, when you were being interviewed and, and sort of reliving that history, you know, I mean, y you were in it when you were in it, but as an older and wiser person, did you did you kind of go through some emotional waves when you were talking about that? the the whole time you know all those months and years that you spent in the in the replacements i mean did you did you feel any sort, sort of sense of detachment and ob objectivity or were you like right back in it it was it was uh, awkward and uncomfortable at times for the reasons that it was which really are some of the stories some of the stories are pretty sorted and you know we were we were able to keep we were keep able to, it was able to be a, still an interesting read without getting into too much of the really sordid crap about replacements. Cause ultimately in, in my view, I mean, I, I guess I'd be a bit of a hypocrite if I didn't say I wasn't interested in reading some of the things I've read about and other autobiographies and things like this over the years. But, um, you know, when it comes to personal issues and things like that and things that we did and, you know, whether we shooting off our own feet at the same time kind of thing or not, um, so that we didn't get too into the sensationalism of our, you know, our dysfunction. I mean, I think um, sticking to sort of the musical aspects of it was, it was a good thing because I think um, the, the dysfunction of us as humans and stuff like that, all, although some people would probably be interested in, I think that would have been too hard on any of us. Every band has internal issues and, you know, some you, you just don't resolve when you're together. I mean, I know my band didn't, but, but you also have like the external pressures of writing a hit song or doing this or that for a record company that maybe, you know, you want to really do your own thing rather than what you, they want you to do. So I think, all that kind of takes tolls on, on the band, you know, oh, no matter. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, there's, there's, um, yeah, I mean, it's all those things that either make or break you. I mean, yeah. that, you know, I, I'm glad we didn't get too far into all that crap, but I, but, um, you know, anecdotally, I can tell you that, you know, we, as well as shooting ourselves in the foot for not being able to do what we, you know, what others do, we were terrible at uh, glad handing the record company and shaking babies, all that crap. We watched our peers like REM and stuff like that do very well with that um, one way or the other. And we just, we, I think we were just um, too broken for it, to be honest with you. I think we were just, I think we were really, you know, malcontents that really couldn't, you know, do it and really just kind of felt like it's our way or the highway. And I think not playing ball with the people who are, you know, trying to, you know, make you a star and make you, you know, whatever, for whatever fucking reason under the sun. I think when you go down that road, I think you can look back at our career and you can go, yeah, they kind of did that more than once. You know? Yeah. It kind of boots more than once, you know, I know. I feel like we are kind of, we shot ourselves in the foot a few times, but cause we didn't want to do what they say or whatever. But at the same time, that's, a lot of bands make mistakes like that and you just, you kind of live and learn. Maybe it's not a mistake, you know, you never know. It's just what happened. Staying true to yourself yeah. is a very, very fine line. Yeah. Right. It's a very fine line in that, in that, well, you write and perform because you want people to hear your music, right? That's the grand, in the grand scheme of yeah. things, that's what we all, we, we like the attention. We like people like our music. We seem like we're doing something productive that people like. Yes. But if you screw the pooch and you fight the powers that be to help you reach the masses, are you being credible or are you just being stupid? Yep. yep and yep. I look back now, there are times I think we were being credible. And then there are times I just think we were stupid and we were drunks and we just didn't, uh, we didn't know better. And because we were, you know, like I said, we we're kind of broken individuals, you know, we were, we all kind of came from some major dysfunction and had our issues and all that crap. But, um, you know, to each his own. And I think, you know, when I look back on it, I just think of, damn, we really did that. Ouch. Damn. You know, and I was, I was right there. I mean, I remember all of it like it was yesterday, but, you know, yeah. But I think that's one of the reasons why this record is so good is because you can sort of hear the where and the experiences and the time putting in your craft in the songs. So in a way, it's it sounds like an album, like an artist who's feeling much freer and uninhibited. That's um, a true story. True story. I mean, I'm, I don't I'm not at 56 years old sitting here worried about, you know, the record company making me a rock star right now. I just could give a crap. Um, yeah. I'm just as long as I can go out tomorrow morning and head to the Midwest and start playing shows, <laughs> have a good time. You know, what the hell? Yeah. On the tour so far, what are some of the standout shows? We've had a couple really great ones. We had a really, really great show at WXPN in Philadelphia where we did the Live at Noon show about oh, wow. two weeks ago. And we magically just had a really good one. And it was fun, and we all felt great about it. And this radio station gave us, a huge, gave us huge props for it. And so when we felt good about something and we got huge props for it, those rarely line up. In the music business, I've always suffered from, and the replacements every band I've been in, I'll be honest with you, always getting the best response from the shows that we thought were the worst. And our best shows always, yeah, like, yeah it's okay. You know, um, so we had two of those happen, one at um, XPN. And we had another kind of a magical show in a really cool place in um, Little Rock, Whitewater Tavern in Little Rock. Yeah. Just funny to be there. Never been to Little Rock, I don't think, before. Um, and just had a really magical gig and the people were wonderful. And it was just kind of a, kind of makes you go, cool. This is why I do this, you know, because of that, that gig right there. You know, That's awesome. Do you have any venues that you're looking forward to playing on the upcoming dates? Well, I, I'm looking forward to playing the fine line in Minneapolis. Cause last time I played there, it kind of oh. stunk. So I'm hoping we do better. <laughs> <laughs> making yeah. up for that <laughs> oh, yeah hilarious. it's always been the sort of um 
odd duck venue in my mind in Minneapolis because back in the day when it opened up before it was attached to First Avenue anyway, it was sort of more of a um, more of a jazzer kind of uh, artsy kind of venue in a way. And so you had rock and roll, Seventh Street Entry, and the bigger shows in the main room, kind of the artier you know, off the beaten track stuff at the fine line, things like that. And so I've played it a few times throughout the years, but I'm kind of looking forward to kind of beating my old habit down on that one. So what would you like to do next that you haven't done yet? Well, I don't know. Um, I do have some other interests that, uh, that go kind of along the, the path here. I don't know if I want to talk about them right now, but, um, you know, for the most part, I'm going to be doing what I do. And can I just do it until I'm dead? you know, one way or the other. And, and, um, you know, within that, like I might learn to drive this year. You don't drive? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't ever have my license, but, uh, my daughter and I are talking about learning how to drive together this fall so she can get her license in the spring. I think it might be funny. That's good. That's handy when you're living kind of up in the suburbs or, you know, yeah, right. and I always manage to get around pretty yeah. good bike and junk like that. But, um, you know, there are some other things. I'm not going to become a painter anytime soon, but um, you know, <laughs> I have other interests, most of them philanthropic, I suppose, more than anything. Nice. I'm just so happy to see you uh, out in the road doing it again. Yeah. Appreciate it. It's, you know, it's fun. I still have, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't have fun with it um, and still like doing it. Actually, I'll tell you, give you a quick little parting anecdote here. My daughter, Ruby, is a singer and songwriter as well. She's more of the um, sort of the R&B category in a way. And, and she plays, she opened up for me when I played the Turf Club, you know, a few months back. And afterwards, they, you know, I was asking her, I was like, did you have fun? Like, you know, did she, get it? she goes, yeah, it was, you know, it's interesting people talking over my songs and stuff as I'm singing and stuff like that. I go, yeah, that's kind of what it's like playing a bar. Um, you know, playing intimate like that. She goes, yeah. And I go, but did you really have fun? She goes, yeah, I had a really great time. I go, good. That's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> really. That's perfect. If you, if you get that, you've won, you know? Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and I, and I, and I stick by that. Um, I, like I said, I still like what I do and, and, um, and I do get that. So. Sorry. There is such bad storm. Sorry. If you just wow. crash. a lot of thunder. Where you are, where the storms are. I'm in Ringwood, New Jersey, and it's right above me. Isn't <laughs> that down by Drew's place? By uh, yeah. it's literally where Drew's place is. Yes, have you played there? I played Drew's place. Yeah. Oh my god. One of that that went away. Damn. Yeah, I don't know. I think, but after with the pandemic, I don't know if he was doing too much stuff. But yeah, we've been to Drew's place. We saw Jesse Mallon there. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Wow. But, um, Small world. Yeah. So if you come down here again, you gotta. Well, we'll find out. We will find out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I saw Drew recently. I can't remember where, but I saw him somewhere. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen him in a while. In ages. But uh, yeah. Great to see him. yeah. I, I always love that little place. Jesse turned me on to him. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Jesse played there a few times, I think. But um. Yeah. Like I said, I think because of the pandemic, I'm not sure if Drew's have had that many shows at. at it's basically. Mm -hmm. For anyone who doesn't know, it's a, it's it's a house show. It's yeah, fabulous. It's He's got a wonderful place on a lake, and it's just a great place to play. So, yeah. Tommy, for the for the listeners, tell us one last time about the new album, where they can get it, and where they can find more about you if they're searching on the internet to find more about Tommy Stinson. Yeah, I mean, you can go to TommyStinson.com and find out everything you need to know about it, pretty much. And the records, you can stream the record on any of the. Uh, major platforms uh we sell cds and vinyl through cobra side which you can find online as well through my website which is tommystinson.com um as well as the cowboys and the campfire.com and yeah it's all it's all out there um record streaming all the stuff we discussed Very vinyl cool. there's european vinyl and there's gonna be australian vinyl nice it's gonna be green <laughs> <laughs> It was such a pleasure meeting you and, and having this time yes. to co conversation with you and everything. It was, thank we you. We really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Very cool. It was, it was my pleasure. It was fun. I've had a brutal ass week. I'm glad this turned out to be fun Aww. and wasn't yeah. really just struggling here. So thank you for having me and you guys have a great rest of your week. All right, you all, well, I'm gonna go have dinner now. 
Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. It was such a pleasure. Thank you, guys. We'll see you down the road, right? Bye, Tommy. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Joe Heath. I'm Tony Heath. And we host the Watchathon a Rassilon. A podcast where we're watching through all of classic Doctor Who. Nope, we've already done that. We did? Well, then now what do we do? What do we two do? We review New Who. Ooh, we two review New Who? We do, just for you. Who? Not you, them, the listeners of the podcast. Ah. The Watchathon of Rassilon. Now we review New Who too. Woohoo! Yeah. Oh, that was so great. He's so cool. That yeah. was so good. I'm so glad he did it. Stephanie, where can folks find more about you? You can find me on Facebook under Stephanie Seymour Music, um, on Instagram at there underscore r underscore birds. You can find me on Bandcamp under my name, Stephanie Seymour. And you can find me on all the streaming platforms everywhere. Also, there are birds.com. All right, Rob. Hi, um, I'm Rob. You can Hi. find you can find me on um, the Weekend Justice podcast, uh, which is comes out every month for needcoffee.com. Also, you can find me on Louder Than War Radio. Uh, I host a show called Antics, 6 to 8 on Mondays, Greenwich Mean Time, um, which is 1 to 3 Eastern in the u.s but all the shows are archived on mixcloud so you can listen to them whenever you like um, and check those out and enjoy that also uh, i do a show on kdhx in st louis every wednesday it's called juxtaposition and um i do want to say a special shout out because we had a listener that messaged me to let me know that she has a support alpaca and she (laughs) listens to the show with the alpaca every single week. Yay! And that's so cool. I just wanted to say hello. She didn't <laughs> want me to mention her name, but I did want to say hello. Um, but all of the shows on KDHX are archived for two weeks at kdhx.org. So if you're out with your support alpaca doing cool stuff, you can listen to the show and um, any of the other shows we have there and enjoy them as well. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Um, hi, my name is Alan and I've got some books that I've written and I've got some other podcasts that I do and you can find all of that groovy stuff at cosmiccreative.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C creative.com. And we would love to get some feedback from you on, uh, an episode that you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed hearing from Tommy Stinson, just let us know at modern musicology one at gmail.com, or just leave us a comment on our Facebook group or wherever you're listening to this episode. We will be back next week. And until then, everybody have a great week and we'll see you soon. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.